Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Sal Capaccio along with you today until 3 p.m. We got one hour down, four to go. Thanks for uh, saddling up and riding with me. Stay inside today, even more so than you normally should with this situation we have going on because it's going to be some nasty wild weather out there. There's no reason to go out. Obviously, we are trying to flatten the curve anyway, but today's weather will allow us to stay inside even more so or at least tell us to stay inside even more so than we already should. We've seen some nasty weather already down south, and a lot of that's headed this way. That's where my next guest is, by the way. He used to be up in Buffalo. Yesterday, I tweeted out to please forgive me, Bills fans, because I'm going to have on a very polarizing guest. And now, he joins me on the Wester Hotline. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the return of Mike Rodak, former ESPN employee covering the Bills. He was the Bills beat reporter for ESPN. He now works at AL.com down in Alabama covering Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. But, uh, Mike, honestly, it's really great to talk to you. I hope you and your family are doing well, man. Yeah, you too. Hope everything is going well back up there. I'm sure it's been a, uh, a trying you know month or so up there. Yeah, it is. And I told people also on the air today that they can't hate you too much because you married a UB girl, and then you have a family <laughs> with her, so your child has UB bull blood in it now, in him. That's true. He was born in Buffalo. And that That's right. Change, so there you go. All he right. He might be a uh, might be Alabama raised, but he was he was Buffalo born. Well, maybe I don't know if he'll become a Bills fan or not. And Jeremy White wanted me to ask you, tongue in cheek, obviously, but he wanted me to ask you, how <laughs> do you actually, how can you stay on your Bills hate covering uh, Alabama from all the way down there and still find time for your Bills hate? I have way too many Twitter alerts. I, I, honestly, <laughs> I might have a problem. I, I've been told I have a problem. I think it was eighty-seven at last check accounts that I have alerts for. Oh my um, gosh! Across a lot of different spectrums. I mean, you know, weather people and news people, and you know, all different markets. So well, you're still that's, connected. That's really, yeah, it's my it's my drug. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I have to check my phone. <laughs> all right, Mike. So I do want to ask you. We're going to get into the Alabama guys in a little while, but let's have some fun. Um, let's talk about your time covering the Bills because obviously, as soon as your name gets brought up, a lot of Bills fans just immediately go, "Oh my God, that's the guy that hated our team, and he came from New England, and he loves the Patriots, and all he did was negative stuff." Um, how? What years to refresh everybody? What years did you cover the Bills for ESPN? So I started in 2013, the first week of training camp that week. So it was EJ Manuel, Kevin Cobb, and it was even before Thad Lewis. It was Jeff Toole, who was our third quarterback in camp. So that's how uh, that's how long ago it was, in a sense, and how much has changed since. But 2013 through, uh, obviously, 2018 would have been my last year, and then going into the summer of, of last year is when I left. You did. You, you were here for uh, the one playoff appearance that wound up breaking the drought, but by and large, you were here during what we all know as the playoff drought and what was going on. You were at the tail end of it, so you didn't see many really good teams. But, you know, you're trying to do your job here covering the team, 
And people kind of view that through a prism of, oh, he hates us. What was it like for you on a daily basis just trying to stay on task and knowing that all that noise was around you for people, you know, clamoring for maybe you covering the team in a different way? How do you try to not, you know, buy into that, basically? It's a good question. It never really bothered me. I mean, I never, you know, I saw some of it, obviously, and we laughed about it, but it never, you know, I didn't go home thinking about it, and that's really what you have to do. I mean, it's a job for us. It's whether I'm covering Alabama or the Patriots or the Bills or, you know, the Minnesota Twins or, you know, Seattle Seahawks, whatever, right. like it's a job. Um, so that's, you kind of have to approach it that way. And, um, you know, it's, again, I never really felt pressure from anybody uh, from ESPN. I, I've never had a single instance of anybody at ESPN saying, oh, you need to do X, Y, or Z differently. Um, so, you know, when you have the back of your employer, you know, I think that certainly helps. And, um, you know, people can tweet and, and write or, you know, put comments on the website how much they, they want. But at the end of the day, it's just me writing a story and I'll do it the, the best way I can um, and, and be as fair as I can. And again, I, I I think I did that, you know, in six years of being there. Were you a blocker or muter on Twitter? Did you block a lot of people, mute a lot of people or just let it go? Not really, because I feel like that, that almost plays into them a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of people who just want the attention, um, want the the interaction and the, the, the banter and the back and forth. And maybe at first, um, you know, the first couple of years, but I think you learn just to, to let it go. You know, so the last couple of years, I, again, there's so much on my timeline. Sometimes you scroll through your right. notifications, you might see a thing here and there, but um, you know, if there's a tweet that got picked up and there's lots and lots of people liking it or whatever, responding to you, you're not going to see everything. Did so you ever, if somebody says something, there's a de- decent chance you're not going to see it. No, that's right. Did you ever, like, did anybody ever, like, do you ever feel a, a real sense of, like, someone was super angry, like a threat of some sort? Did people ever, like, physically threaten you? Or at any point did you think, oh, my God, like, this person really wants to meet me in the parking lot of One Bill's Drive and beat me up? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the people who were, uh, <laughs> I never physically, like, felt threatened. I never had anybody come to my house or, um, you know, fi- contact me some other way than social media. I had some people find me on Facebook. But oh. that's not terribly hard to do, and, right. and send messages to me on Facebook. And um, yeah, I mean, there was never really an instance of uh, I felt actually threatened that I had to go to somebody. I, I did actually have there's somebody on Twitter who was um, an imposter, shall we say? You know, somebody who creates a fake account, right? And they had been tweeting some other things in their account that got the attention of the New York State Police. Wow! <laughs> but it was under it was under my name and my picture, but somebody else. You know, faking it. So, so what happened there? Did the, did the police contact the police police? you? They did. Yeah, they did. And I uh, just wanted to know if I knew who it was. And I said, look, I don't. It's not me, but wow. um, I have no idea who it is. And I had a, a little bit of an idea based on some of the accounts that they were following. But, yeah, I mean, there's people out there who just don't, I guess, have to, don't feel like doing anything else in the, in the life. <laughs> that's, that's I know. the most important thing to them where it's like, yeah, we got to go out and have some fun on Twitter. So, well, look, and I, that went beyond fun. I mean, that was some yeah. threatening language. I think, again, that got the attention of authorities. So, um, did, like, did you, can you share, like, at all, did you get any people, how personal did people get with you? Like, on a on a daily basis, like, were you scrolling through, like, oh, my God, like, here's another person talking about, you know, things that super inappropriate. Like, was that, like, a daily occurrence or just say, you know what, it was a lot of hate, people didn't like me, but it really didn't get to that level all that much. Yeah, I don't think it really did. Even when I would see people in person, and that definitely happened too, where you know you'd be out at a restaurant or concert or whatever, 
and you know people would run into you. Um, not just like Bills games. I mean, Bills games definitely to get it because that's you know you're you're sort of at ground zero. But mm-hmm. you know, Canal Side or some other restaurant or whatever, um, you'd have people come up and just say, "Yeah, hey, you know, I, I make fun of you on Twitter. I, I give you crap on Twitter, but you know, I think you do a good job, et cetera. Like, nice to meet you." So people kind of back down, I think, when it's in person. You know, it's not just hiding behind a keyboard. And I think you also realize, from my perspective too, that people are just having fun with it. And you uh, have a lot, and you have a lot more to lose. End. You have a lot more to lose than these people. Obviously, you have your employer is monitoring. They know you can't react in certain ways. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. We a lot. We just can't do that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's everybody. Every media company now has a social media policy where the number one rule is just not to react, uh, not to respond. Don't read the comments is really what they say. And in mm-hmm. fact, a lot of these websites have taken away the comments. I know ESPN did. I think mm-hmm. two years ago, and AL.com just took away the comments couple months ago um so there's no comments anymore on the stories and to be honest that's it's probably for the better former espn bills beat reporter mike rodak joining me on the wester hotline i remember being at the meadowlands for a game uh we are lining up pre-game you're there i'm there media people are there lining up waiting for the bills to come out of the tunnel or at least you know during pre-game warm-ups or whatever there was a fan standing above the tunnel that said to me sal Go punch Rodak. Sal, go punch Rodak. And, like, I walked up to you, like, teasing you, and I was, like, pretending to punch you in the stomach. And I think the person was literally mad at me that I didn't actually punch you in the face or something. Right. Oh, yeah. That's You, you kind of see where the line is for some people. Right. Because I think some people just would joke about it. And then there's also some people who, you know, physically would want to actually do it. <laughs> and that's, like, one of the things, too. Like, I always felt walking through the parking lots, and I, I know they wanted me to do a story one time of, like, the tailgates at New York Field. And... I was like, eh, you know, you mix alcohol in some cases with, with some people. And he, again, 95% of people might be fine, but there right. might be a couple people out there who physically might throw something at you or, or you know, create some sort of confrontation. I just I didn't want any part of that. No, not at all. And it obviously wasn't all bad. We don't want to paint that picture. Uh, there are a lot of Bills fans that really right. appreciated your coverage, and I'm sure you heard from them as well. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, there's there's lots of people, especially when I left, too. <laughs> Again, maybe that's right. you know, because I left. But, no, but yeah, you, um, there was an outpouring of, "Hey, man, thanks for doing what you did." And you know, we right. we we some. I think I think Mike. Part of the thing is, you know, you were here for a good what six years. You said right. So, mm-hmm. yep. I think you know people grew up too. There are a lot of people that grew up through it through that time and maybe got mature and understood what your job was. I would hope so. Yeah, and that's the thing too. You never really know on Twitter um, how old people are. I remember as a kid, like I would be. This was before Twitter. Um, this would be like you know message boards and. I would be emailing reporters, and I remember emailing Rich Samini one time, you know, the Jets guy for ESPN, but something he wrote that I thought was wrong or inaccurate, and it was an angry email. Um, I never told him this, but, you know, I was probably 12 years old at the time, 10 years old, and, you know, here I am writing some reporter and acting like I know everything, and now, you know, 15 years later, 10 years later, I yeah. I know Rich, and I think he's a great guy, and we have a great relationship, and Again, he doesn't know about that, but um, <laughs> he might now. Thing where I think you you grow up, and especially when you go from um, just being a sports fan to to actually being in the business and right. being a reporter and kind of seeing things from a much different side, um, it really changes your your perspective on uh, the job we do and the job everyone does in the industry. And, uh, you know, I, I often compare it to being on our team ourselves, even though we might be competitors in this business, whether it's TV news uh you know paper radio magazine whatever we're down there together we're all grinding we're all trying to do our job and you know that that's the part of it too that i would give you a chance to speak on here to say if you missed and you know being a part of the bills beat community basically 
Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, lifelong friends that I, I certainly met there and, um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't want to make it too political, but like, it's, you go to the white house briefing room and, you know, those people that might be from different outlets, but they all sort of have the same goal or the right. same idea, which is to get the truth out from the person in power and, you know, not to compare politics and sports, but it's, it's similar for us sitting in that room. We all might be from different outlets, but our job is the same. Our, our, what we're trying to do is the same. So there is a certain level of solidarity there, at least in, in some cases, uh, you know, there's certainly, <laughs> there's, there's beefs, you know, here and there, we certainly know about in that room, but um, yeah, you know, I definitely miss it. Uh, at the same time, it's, it, it's not all that different, you know, in Alabama um, where, you know, there's big outlets covering Alabama football, obviously it's, it's the biggest story down here. And um, it's the same sort of idea, you know, where they're trying to get something out of Nick Saban and there's a certain, you know, level of solidarity between us in trying to do that. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, you know, we spent time in the media room together as well. And, you know, I appreciate everything that uh, you brought to the table and so many other colleagues. And I keep telling people during this pandemic, that's actually what I'm missing the most. I know that, you know, maybe it's because we haven't played football games yet, but I miss being around the people that, you know, cover and just just laughing and talking about our golf game or making fun of it or whatever. That's just what we do. Yeah, this this time of year, I mean, normally, well, I guess there would be spring practice in the college level. Right. But, you know, generally these months of the year are when we are at home. Mm-hmm. And then re- the sort of this reconvening at the draft where, you know, we're back in the saddle and we're back in the media room and, you know, things seem like normal again. Um, so I guess that's maybe the, the silver lining that um, of, of this whole pandemic is that it's it's hitting during a time when we'd be at home anyway as opposed to hitting during football season, what I think would be taking away more of our daily life, of course, but not, you know, to make it all about us. But, um, you know, this is a time when I think we'd be sheltered in place, right. you know, to begin with. Uh, what's it like covering Nick Saban now? Uh, you mentioned him, and, you know, you obviously grew up watching Bill Belichick and winning Super Bowls, and you know what kind of person he is. Uh, he is very good friends with Nick Saban. We know that. Now you're covering it from that angle. Two of the greatest coaches ever, both cut from the same cloth, one professional, one college. What's it like covering him? Yeah, it was awkward. I actually um, – so that there's a radio show that Saban does every week down here and they basically have a different media guest each week for the hour and you know you're there to ask questions with him along with the the radio play-by-play guy uh, Eli Gold who asks questions too and one of the first ones when Saban sat down next to me was you know can you compare Belichick and Saban having covered both of them it was a little strange I wanted to say you know Saban's pretty tough but he's sitting right next to me I can't really say that Um, but really I I do think they're a little bit different I mean Saban definitely will come after you uh, but Belichick does it in a different way where he's just not going to answer the question. You know, you ask him a question he doesn't like, and he's just going to give you a sort of a grunt or two-word response or whatever. Saban will, he will answer the question. Like, he will give you an answer, but if he doesn't like the way you asked it or the phrasing of it, or if he wants to speak to his team through his answer – then he's just going to go on a rant, and you're sort of going to be the, the subject of it, which hasn't happened to me yet. <laughs> um, but I've, I've certainly seen it happen to other people in the room. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a strange, strange feeling. But um, I do think he, he's, he's better to cover, in a sense, just because you get more information out of him. And it's – I mean, it, it is tricky. I, I don't want to, you know, compare – it's apples to oranges because – for example, at Alabama, they, they call on you. 
Right. And if the SID doesn't like you or doesn't like the questions that you've asked <laughs> in the past, then they won't call on you. Oh. So you won't get to ask a question of Nick Saban, which has never been the case in the NFL level. Uh, it's not allowed to be the case. and There's rules against it. But those rules aren't in place in college, and your access to players is much different. There's no open locker room. Um, you know, they give you the players that they they want to talk right. that they want you know to talk to you, not the players that you want to talk to. So it's different. Um, but I do think at the end of the day, you're probably going to get more quotes and more information out of Saban than. I would have gotten back in New England from Belichick. In, a, in about a half hour, I'm going to have uh, Jeremy White join me. We're going to talk about some of the uh, cool shows we've watched during the pandemic, and I'm going to let the cat out of the bag on one of them. I watched Belichick and Saban, The Art of Coaching on HBO. I thought it was fascinating. I thought it was amazing watching these guys and learning about their philosophies. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to watch it, but you really do see how they are so, so similar in so many ways. Yeah, yeah, I actually did. Um, I had to talk to the uh, the producer for it. Um, we did a story on it for our website, and yeah, it was very well done. Um, you know, there's some. I don't know if there's a ton of new things in there because we've all mm-hmm. we all know that they're best friends and we kind of know their their shared background. But just seeing them yeah. interact in situations where you're thinking, "Oh man, I wish I could listen and just be a fly on the wall and listen to those guys," and being able to do that, I think was was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I it's, it's I don't know if Saban would work as an NFL coach. And we've seen it, I guess, right. not work out for two years in Miami. I don't know if Belichick would work at the college level because of the recruiting aspect of it. Um, so I, I think they're both very good where they are. I don't know if you would flip if you would flip them, you know, if they would be as successful as they have been. But who knows? It'd be, it'd be an interesting, you know, one day April Fool's thing for for Belichick to walk to the podium in Alabama and Saban to walk in New England if they ever were up for it. Mike Rodak joining me on the Western Hotline. You couldn't escape Buffalo sports completely because Nate Oates goes down to Alabama right around the same time you are. Uh, he coached, obviously, the UB Bulls. Really, really very successful here, taking them to the tournament. Um, what's it been like covering Nate Oates down there in Alabama? He's been awesome. Um, I mean, I, I, I've i never really covered college basketball before, but we, like for both of us, I mean, you, you have the Syracuse connections. Yep. Uh, I went to Providence. Like College basketball is sort of the yep. – the way of the world in the Northeast. And it's not in a lot of cases down here, but it's given me the opportunity to actually cover it now, which is nice. Um, and especially like I talked about that dead period after football season, um, you know, before the draft, before training camp, where normally I'd be at home in a lot of cases in January, February, and into March, uh, I was covering basketball, which I really liked. And, and Oates makes it really easy. I mean, he's the most accessible coach I've, I've ever covered. You can ask him any question. He'll go on and on and on and on, um, which is tough to transcribe and, you know, put a quote in a story sometimes. But, like, he will give you minutes and minutes of answers and brutal honesty, which is nice um, because there was ups and downs for their season last year. And uh, when they were doing well, he praised his guys. And when they weren't, he he really ripped into some of them. And uh, that was nice to see. And you never really felt intimidated, you know, asking him questions, even if it was – asking him about a player who had a bad game or just the overall situation for the team. Like he would be there and he'll take the question. He would answer it. He would answer it honestly. So that's been really nice. And I think people are sort of trying to buy into Alabama basketball. I mean, it's, it's been a program, which aside from the Colin Sexton year, a couple of years ago, when they went to the second round of the tournament, has really not done a whole lot, you know, for a little while here and people kind of tune out. I think every year they, they think, you know, Kentucky's sort of got the conference and mm-hmm. 
not much is going to change. But you, know, you, you saw people trying to buy in last year, and they had a great game against Auburn at home where the place was packed, and you felt like it was a great basketball atmosphere. And, you know, they knocked off Auburn. I think they ranked number four in the country at the time. They went to Auburn. There was another great game down there, great basketball atmosphere. I mean, Auburn's a school that's really put it together as a football school, you know, that's now doing well in basketball. And I think Nate sees potential for Alabama to do the same. Again, people are going to tune out if he doesn't make it happen, but if he can kind of get people to buy in, then there's a chance. And he, I mean, he's put together a great recruiting class. The last two weeks, I think he's gotten four or five commitments, and I think he's ranked 15th in the country right now going to next year. So um, there's definitely you know, a chance that they – they make some noise next year in the SEC, and you know there's an opportunity for him to really, you know, build something here where there's certainly the money. I mean, there's not a, a huge shortage of that, and so they already have a, a pretty good practice facility. Their their actual arena could use a lot of work, um, but there's momentum and there's you know certainly the funds and the resources around here um, for that to happen. <clears throat> and I think if it does, then. You know, Nate certainly has a chance to be here for a while. Again, if he can kind of keep people engaged and, and keep things moving in the right direction. Well, obviously, we think of Alabama, we think of football first, and we know that they have every year tons of NFL prospects. This year is no different. So before I let you go, give me a, your thoughts on some of these guys. Let's start with Tua, um, you know, the injury situation, what you project him to be in the NFL given his size, his injury situation, and his talent. Yeah, it's been a rough couple of weeks for him where people kind of have come out and, and really questioned his health. I mean, Mike Lombardi came out last week and said he wouldn't take him. Mike Tannenbaum said it would be irresponsible to take him in the top 10. But before that, it was a lot of positive news for him where, you know, we all saw the injury, you know, back in November where he dislocated his hip. It seemed pretty dire at the time. We were questioning his, his career. And for him to be back to where he is now in four months, it's pretty remarkable. And it's really to the point where if you talk to anybody around him, there's not a huge amount of concern about the hip. Even Lombardi and Tannenbaum seem to acknowledge that. Uh, their concern was just about the next injury and what, what's his durability like. And, you know, look, if, if he continues trying to make plays where he shouldn't, and that's basically what happened with some of the injuries that he's had, you know, he's been rolling out and trying to extend plays and keep it alive, and that's when he's gotten hit. If he can avoid doing that, and I don't think he's going to be necessarily injury-prone, um, you know, I don't think the hip injury – means he's going to have another hip injury down the road. The doctors don't say there's really that, that correlation. So if he can avoid any of that, then as a player, I think he's fine. I, people are going to point to the height, and then people are going to point to Drew Brees and Russell Wilson as being shorter quarterbacks who have made it work. I think he can certainly be in that category. You know, I remember Brian Dayball talking to him in Buffalo about Tua. Like he, he has some pretty, you know, he thinks Tua is a, pr- a pretty damn good player. Um, so, you know, I, I think he can make it happen. He's accurate. Um, you know, he, he's had certainly a good cast around him in Alabama, um, but he's probably going to have a pretty decent cast around him in the NFL too. I mean, with NFL caliber wide receivers like he's had down here. So if he doesn't go in the top five, I'd be surprised. And if he doesn't, then I think there's going to be teams trading up uh, in, in the bottom half of the top ten to try to get him. Judy and Ruggs, um, obviously two of the best in the game in college football, such a great wide receiver core, as you said. Do they need to be in certain offenses to really flourish, or could they pretty much go anywhere, and how do you separate the two? I'd say Judy probably has a better chance to be more of the all-around receiver who you can kind of plug into different roles and 
he can do certain things for you. Um, I mean, Ruggs definitely comes out of that more of the, the speed mold, and I think the floor for him would be what we saw to T.J. Graham or Marquise Goodwin, where you know straight line speed is awesome, but for whatever other reason, it just didn't really come together for them. So I think that's that's potential for Ruggs, and I was a little bit concerned by him. He had a hip injury. I think it was the fourth or fifth week of the season, where after that he just never seemed to be the same. Like he was, he was jammed off the line, I think, and got a hip contusion, and just wasn't really the same receiver. You know, the last two months of the season, um, that would be my concern with him. You know, can he do more than just be a speed guy? And there's certainly people out there who believe that he can. Judy's more of the all-around guy; doesn't really have an overwhelming trait to him, and that's, I guess, the question with him is, you know, can he be a dominant receiver without? doing one one thing particularly, you know, exceptionally well. I think route running might be his, his best shot at that. So I don't neither of the neither of those guys are gonna be obviously in the Bills range in the second round. They're gonna be long, long right. gone by then. Um, but I think anywhere they go they they'll have a pretty decent chance to be successful. I just don't know if they're slam dunk picks by any means. They're not Julio Jones and they're not Amari Cooper. And then one guy I want to ask you about before I let you go who very well could be in the Bills' spot at 54 is the brother of the wide receiver they just acquired, Stephon Diggs. His brother is Trayvon Diggs, a cornerback. A lot of people think the Bills could wind up you know, drafting this player. Tell us a little bit about Trayvon. Yeah, I, I think he, he fits the mold of an NFL corner, and that's really just you watch him and he seems like he should be playing in the league. Did he have a great year last year? Meh. I think he really struggled against LSU, and that, a lot of people were watching that game. There's a lot of scouts in the press box. Bean and uh, Joe Shane were in the press box. So, you know, they saw him up close, and he really had some issues with Jamar Chase, who, you know, was probably the best receiver in college football last year, you know, at LSU. But if you kind of put that game aside, you know, the rest of the year he, he did pretty well. Um, is he going to be, again, the dominant prospect where there's not a whole lot of question about him? No. But if he is in the second round, he falls you know, to that middle part of the second round. And I've seen him as high as the mid-20s, so he could be long gone by 54. But, yeah, I think that would be a decent pick. I mean, he's, he's a longer corner. Um, he's not the fastest guy in the world. I think the comparison I saw on him was Keeb Tlaib. So he's, you know, he'd be in a different mold than, um, than Tredavious White, probably a different mold than even you know, some of the other corners in the roster, Levi Wallace and – they brought in what Josh Norman and, and EJ Gaines. So, you know, do, do they need a, a, a corner right now? Maybe. Um, but I think he'd be, he'd be a good value pick at 54 if he is still on the board. Mike, thanks for doing this. Having some fun, obviously, but also just giving us some information. It's really, it's great to catch up with you. Great to connect and um, really appreciate you coming on today, buddy. Yeah, you too, man. Thanks for having me on. All right. No problem. And stay safe out there with your family and uh, all my best and all of our best to you. Will do. Same to you. Okay. That is Mike Rodak. You can follow him on Twitter, at Mike Rodak. Uh, he is the Alabama beat reporter for AL.com. Previously covered the Bills for ESPN. See, it wasn't that painful, Bills fans, was it? Now you're like, come on, go back to Boston. No, no, he's back. He's in Alabama, and he's uh, covering the Alabama Crimson Tide, both football and basketball. I'm way past the break. I apologize. Britain's going to hit the uh, break, the commercials right now. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit. We'll head you up to the top of the hour, and then uh, we'll get ready for our shows that I've watched and Jeremy White during this quarantine period at noon. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. 
Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Like the last two months of the season, which is half a year, they were better on offense, they were better on defense, they were better on record, and they were better on scoring margin. So, like, I struggle with people in our industry who are sitting here telling me the Patriots are the favorite. And I understand Brandon Bean has to say what he has to say, but I just can't see it on the football field. I just can't see that. So, because we are in separate rooms here, uh, Brayton can't talk to me. We don't have that communication device when we're off the air. I, if he turns on his mic, like right now, Brayton, you can turn on your mic and talk to me. I can hear you. There you go. I heard you say hi. But if you don't turn on your mic, we have to do like hand signals and lip reading through the glass, right? Normally, that's not the case. If I'm in the other studio, he can just tell me something into my earphones. He can't do that here because I'm in a separate studio we don't normally use, right? So the sound bite comes on, and normally what happens is, even if we know it, Brayton wants to make sure we say the right name. So he'll tell us, hey, this is this person talking. When you come back, make sure you say who that is. And this one, I could tell. I knew it was Dan Orlovsky, but, you know, Brayton's doing his job. He's texting me Dan Orlovsky. But his autocorrect changed it to Dan or Lovely. So Dan or Lovely was talking. Which one was it? Dan or Lovely? I don't know. I mean, Dan Orlovsky with the way that he does talk. It's lovely. It's pretty lovely. <laughs> he is good. He's very good. He's yes. very good. That was Dan Orlovsky. Um... I think he's been on both One Bills Live and with Howard and Jeremy recently, I believe. I, I actually, say so, yes. I wanted to get him for a podcast, and I'm like, I can't do that now. He's like been on both these shows on our station, but he is really good. He's excellent in this uh, medium, in this forum, and what he does at ESPN. So that was him just a minute ago. It was Dan or Lovely. I'm not really sure, but that's just a little behind the scenes on how this works here, right? So normally I'm in the main studio, or if you're hosting a show, Howard and Jeremy would be there. Chopin Bulldog would be there, you know, Nate on Saturday or whoever. And then Brayton or Joe or whoever's producing is in their production studio and they're kind of looking at each other and Brayton or Joe can hit one button, talk in our earphones and say, hey, don't forget, you got a break coming up. Hey, don't forget this live read's coming up. Hey, tell us about some guest or something. But in this situation... Lately it's become threats with Howard and Jeremy because they, oh, they don't go to break oh, on time. Oh, they're not going to break on time. You know, it is... I, I will say it is a little tougher though with Jeremy being home, right? He's not... He's not facing the clock and knows, but it's always on Howard, isn't it? I, I And look, it, I've always maintained this, and maybe you feel different. Maybe you think, no way, Sal, he would still be the same way. I think Howard is late to the break, Howard Simon, because he does not see the clock where he is sitting, although he does have it open on his computer. When I sit in that studio, I usually sit where Mike Shope sits, okay? 
Now, Mike's chair faces a big clock over top of his head, and I can see that. It's easier to stay on time when you have that clock in front of you than if you don't. But Howard always has been going to break late, I guess, for 20 years. I don't know. But um, you're right. So the way it works today is, like I said, if Brayton wants to tell me something as we're coming back from break, he either has to you know, like mouth it and I have to read his lips, send me some sort of hand signal, or walk from his studio to my studio and tell me, and then he's in danger of not pushing the right buttons or doing his thing on time. So we're trying to do this as best we can. I think it goes pretty well. 803 if you want to jump on board. Sal Capaccio with you today until 3 p.m. And then it's Chopin the Bulldog coming your way on WGR. Uh, ran across this story, and that is LaShawn McCoy, who is still a free agent. He is not signed to any team. But the story is he wants to play two more years. I just don't see it happening at this point. Um... He says, according to this NFL.com story from Grant Gordon, he believes he'll sign with the right team at the right time. He said he has a couple of teams that he's looking at. He said on Sirius NFL, uh, XM NFL radio, he's just waiting for the right moment. But look, to me, this screams no one's really looking to sign him right now. Maybe as the um, summer goes on, depending on how rosters shape up, the draft, injuries, teams that have some cap space, some roster. You know, he's he's a veteran. He's going to have to make a certain amount of money. I, it, it may just be now that no one's willing to sign him. I would think that's the case, or he probably had signed by now with a team. Why would you not do that before the draft, right? Because you want to be entrenched before they make their draft picks. Because if a team drafts a running back, they might not want you, even if they are looking at you now. And then as the summer goes on, maybe something changes on a roster somewhere, and LaShawn gets a call. But it screams to me right here that that's not the case. I will tell you, though, that in a situation like this that we are in with the pandemic and with, you know, things not happening around the league with OTAs or minicamp or offseason workouts, all that kind of stuff. If we continue to go and go through the whole summer and there's all this stuff scrapped and then finally maybe you have a training camp and it's shortened, a guy like LaShawn would probably actually serve a team pretty well compared to other players. Why? Because he's a veteran. He can pick up a playbook. He can walk into a, a a meeting room and understand the terminology and the verbiage, especially if it's someplace with a coach maybe he's been with somewhere before, right? So from that respect, he might be a guy that you would look at as you get closer to training camp, especially if you have injuries maybe during training camp and you need a guy that can come in right in. Now the question would be, would he be in shape? And to be honest with you, LaShawn's been a guy that's pretty much stayed in shape during off-seasons and come to camp and never really had an issue with that. So I wouldn't even you know, worry about that. For the Bills, no. No thank you. I don't need LaShawn McCoy on the Buffalo Bills. I'm pretty sure the Bills are not thinking about that. He said some teams are looking at him. I don't believe that would be the Bills, and I don't think that LaShawn McCoy should be somebody the Bills should look at. Another question about LaShawn is, if his, do- his career does end today, is he a Hall of Famer? I had a really good, interesting Twitter debate the other day with some Bills fans and other people about this. And I'm not totally discounting it, but I just don't think he makes it. There are several other running backs that are pretty much right there around his status and stats and all of that that are not in. And I wrote on Twitter, and someone challenged me on this when I did this last week, which was I said, look, if he played one more season and he got to 12,000 yards, he would still need like 900 and something, so it would be tough. But let's say he got to 12,000 yards. He's probably in. 
And someone said, what, so you're saying you needed one more season? Why? I mean, that's just ridiculous that it would be the, the cost of one season. It's not ridiculous. That's the way a Hall of Fame is based. A lot of people base it on numbers, especially for a position like running back, which is 12,000 yards seems to be a cutoff between the haves and the have-nots. Anybody who has 12,000 yards or more rushing who is eligible for the Hall of Fame is in it. Anybody who doesn't have 12,000 yards, I shouldn't say anybody, a lot of people... There are a few people who don't have 12,000 yards who are in the Hall of Fame. Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. But that seems to be the dividing line between the ones who are in and the ones who aren't. It, now, things change. Eras change. You have to take that into context, of course. The, the two people I always compare LaShawn to, one is definitely his style, and he just happened to go, by the way, to the exact same high school, Bishop McDevitt, and both play for the Eagles, and that is Ricky Waters. Go look up Ricky Waters' stats. He's not in the Hall of Fame. And if Ricky Waters isn't in, I, I have a tough time saying LaShawn should be in. Although you could make the argument either way, I'm getting it. I get that when anybody says that. Fred Taylor's the other one. He totally was a different running back than LaShawn. But go look at their numbers. Put them all next to LaShawn per game basis. You can massage it any way you want. LaShawn had a better yards per carry average than those guys maybe, especially Waters. But Waters caught more passes. Receiving yards mattered. When Ricky Waters retired, think about this for a second. When Ricky Waters retired... There were only four people in the history of the league to have 10,000 rushing yards and 4,000 receiving yards. He was one of them. The other three, Marcus Allen, Thurman Thomas, and Walter Payton. And yet, Ricky Waters isn't in the Hall of Fame. And I always say, that's the benchmark for me, for LaShawn, if you're going to put him in. Now, if someone wants to make the argument that the game has changed and LaShawn meant more and over a 10-year period, he was better than Ricky was in his 10... I, I can understand that. I can get to it. I just think it's going to be hard for him. So I'm not discounting it, but it is a good argument. It is a good debate. LaShawn says he wants to play two more years. I don't think a team is right now even going to reach out to him at this point. Maybe, maybe, maybe later in the offseason. I mean, the guy was inactive a lot last year. He does have a Super Bowl ring, but he was inactive. Didn't even play for the coach that loves him and adores him and Andy Reid in the ultimate game, the Super Bowl last year. Didn't even play. Didn't suit up. Was inactive. It just shows to show you where maybe... Most people believe his career is in the in the NFL. He's had a, a really, really excellent career. He might be a Hall of Famer. He is borderline. It's a discussion. He shouldn't be on the Bills' radar. I'm not suggesting that. I just found it interesting that he said he'd like to play two more years. And good luck to him if that's the case. I see no reason why you should root against him doing that. I just don't see it happening at this point. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll wrap things up this hour, get to the noon hour, and all the shows that I've enjoyed watching during the quarantine on WGR. Selling a little... Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there 
to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I have extended a couple breaks here. We're going to just be here and we're going to head out and I want you to get a pen and paper ready. This is my, your next assignment. All right. We've already done one assignment today. So you thought that you were done with schoolwork this week because you know, it's Easter break. Kids are out and they're already out of school, but they're not doing any work now for some of you, not for everybody. Um, maybe some of you are at home and yeah, being a little lackadaisical because you're at home and you're not really doing the work you should be doing. I was here today to give you some work. Number one, I did one thing earlier. Bell work was take a piece of paper, divide it in two columns, put a plus on the left, put a minus on the right. Ask yourself, what are the positives and what are the negatives of why the Bills will or won't win the AFC East in 2020? Write down the positives and why you think they can and maybe even should and write down the negatives of why they can't and maybe won't. That's one. You can call me. You can send them to me on Twitter, whatever. Do that. Here is your second assignment. This one is more about listening, but get a pen and paper. Take notes, because coming up next on WGR, it is Sal Capaccio, that's me, and Jeremy White, host of The Morning Show, telling you about some of the best shows we watched during this quarantine period and giving you a great, great bunch of content to keep you busy right now. That's on the way next on WGR. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.